the Sonos Move is the best portable speaker I have ever owned. And I am not just being a shill here. It's too good to be called a portable speaker. It chews up and spits out its competition. It is high quality. I use the Move as both a stationary speaker and all around my house, garage, and my outdoor space. And I've dropped the crap out of it. Regular portable speakers can't take hits like the Move. Not sure I should be saying this, but I dropped it down the stairs. Maybe I should be saying this. I'd be happy to get a second. Actually, I don't need a second. Even Sonos states, don't worry about accidental drops or bumps. Move's components are protected by a hard-wearing, shock-resistant case. And my system with one I take around my place is working very well. I use my Move as a stationary speaker a lot. It hangs out on the charging base. I love that I don't have to plug in a charging cord. It has an 11-hour battery life, no joke. It works with all streaming services, the Sonos app or AirPlay, Bluetooth, Amazon Alexa, and Google Assistant. I'm too lazy to be looking for new music, so I have really loved the Sonos radio option. Some of my favorite stations are Rare Grooves, Hip Hop Archive, or just keeping it mainstream. If you're in the move, go to Sonos.com to learn more and get your Sonos move today. What are you, uh, what are you doing there, Dad? Just building some beer bongs. Build enough, or...? There's never enough. Plus, I can't deal with your short-tempered mother anymore. I can hear you, Gordy! F*** off! Good morning, sweet world! And welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Monday, September 14th. I'm Jay Skeets, and joining us live, as always, Tass Mellis. Hey, everybody. What's up, Tassie? We got the bearded one, Trey Kirby. Hey-o! Hey-o! We've got the international man of mystery, taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Friend! And last, but not least, making the magic happen, JD. Hello! There he is, and here we are. Shout out to everyone joining us live on YouTube right now and or listening to the podcast, watching the video a little bit later in the day. Keep your questions and your comments coming for Beach. Step in, email us, nodunksattheathletic.com. Tweet them in, at nodunksinc. The plan, guys, is to hit the beach tomorrow, so you still have a little bit of time to get those cues and your comments in for that Beach Steppin' podcast on Tuesday. And before we get into it, if you have been uh, contemplating, thinking about pulling it, the, uh, the the plug, not pulling the plug, what's the opposite of pulling the plug? The trigger. Pulling the trigger. Oh, yeah, don't do that, though. Uh, if you'd like to subscribe to The Athletic, it's currently $1 a month. <laughs> there we go. $1. What? You got, I mean, again, if you haven't done this already, now you've got it. $1 a month, go to theathletic.com slash no dunks. To sign up for that unbelievable offer. That's incredible. Yes. Name one other thing you can get that's cool for a dollar. It used to be like maybe a 20-minute collect phone call, but I don't know if people are making collect phone calls anymore. Everybody's got a cell phone. For a dollar, an Arizona Arnold Palmer iced tea at a gas station. Are those still 99 (laughs) cents? Maybe get one of those. Probably not. Not anymore. Dollar 49, right? I bet you're right. So subscribe to The Athletic. That's right. Theathletic.com slash no dunks. A dollar a month. For the athletic, for everything. That's not just the NBA. It's not obviously just this podcast. I mean, it's absolutely everything. All sports covered, baby. All right, but we cover the NBA here, Tass. And uh, we had the Nuggets again. They erased a 19 point deficit to stun the Clippers, force game seven. Zaza, baby. We're going to game seven, baby. Game seven. Game seven. Oh my goodness, Tass. I said it to Lee on Twitter. The hummus has become the main course. (laughs) I hope you're hungry. It's no longer the appetizer to any games. What do you think, Tass? How shocked were you by this? Well, in many countries, hummus is a main course, and it (laughs) is, and it is delicious. It's just how is it done, Lee? That's all what that's all it depends on, really. Uh, And this one. I was happy it was the main course. They were down 19 points early in the third quarter when Jamal Murray went down, so it looked very bleak. Their guard goes down in a heap, and it looks serious. There had to be a timeout called. It wasn't just a one single play, and I think that's what started the Clippers' downfall right there. Sometimes a break in play can work on both sides. It can help the Nuggets gain back momentum, which it did. It can also 
not just be a mental reset for the team that's down, but could also, you know, stop a team that tends to blow leads with the Clippers. It, it happens. It happened to the Raptors last year when Nick Nurse called a timeout game five. The Raptors were in the finals. They're up six, three minutes left. It sort of stopped momentum. It stopped it in this game. And uh, that's the strength of the Nuggets coming back. Backs against the wall. Nikola Jokic loves when his back's against the wall. And that's a weakness of the Clippers. So uh, that's what that's the turnaround, though, is just it was too drastic. Yeah, it was Trey. <laughs> yeah. A Trey, and in, in, in a you mentioned a tweet there, Skeets. I'm going to mention a WhatsApp chat where Trey <laughs> yeah, said, maybe. "Trey said, how the heck is this a Nuggets blowout? It was a 35 point turnaround in the second half from a six from 19 points down to a 16 point lead, and they were just out hustling them, and and the, and the Clippers got flat uh, shooting the ball, and I, I wouldn't say the the Nuggets are. 35 points better than the Clippers. This was just a, a case of the Clippers both, a case of both. Clippers stopping playing and the Nuggets really getting going. And that's where we are. I, I don't I don't think you can really chalk it up to one or the other that the Nuggets were great. It was both. They were, they were both good and bad in that second half. And uh, now we got a series, baby. Oh my God, we got a game seven. I can't believe it. I watched game six a little later on Sunday, Lee, and I had to double check to make sure I wasn't watching a recording of Game 5. <laughs> yeah. I thought, like, did I click the wrong thing here? Did my DVR screw up? Because, holy deja vu, this was a strikingly similar comeback to what happened in Game 5 as Tasset getting down big and then just storming back and taking the league and having the Clippers looking a little shell-shocked here. And not only that with the Clippers is what I notice is when they're leading, things seem to be going well for the Clippers. They're on the same page. As soon as they get put under a little bit of pressure and things start to go awry... They kind of turn on each yeah, other. Yeah, a lot of pointing, a lot of pointing at each other. A lot of that, a lot of yeah. like, hey, hey, that's your man. Hey, no, yeah. that's your guy. No, 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 I'm doing this over here. And that's the real worry for the Clippers is, you know, if things if struggling game seven, they could quite easily turn on each other again. And I think you're seeing it as well from Kawhi and Paul George. They're sort of looking at each other a little bit like, hey, what's going on here? And uh, that, that's the, the worry now that the Clippers were cruising along in this series. They were cruising along in games five and six. And then the Nuggets, because it's not like we saw from Jamal Murray against the Jazz where he's going for 50 mm-hmm. and he's just he's throwing up everything and it's going in. It's more of just the sort of like, oh, they're chipping away at the lead. Then all of a sudden they're up 10. And it's like, oh, this is like turning into a blowout here for the Nuggets somehow, which is really, really strange. So uh, going into game seven here for the Clippers, they have to know, and they will know, I'm sure, that no lead is safe with this team and they really do have to bury the Nuggets because the Nuggets are getting good contributions from some of those other guys as well outside of their two stars. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not the same guy every every game either. You know, Paul Millsap didn't do all that much yesterday. Jeremy Grant, the same. They got some more out of uh, Monte Morris. And uh, that's the sort of thing for the Nuggets is like, it doesn't matter who it is, but who is that other guy who's going to step up and chip in and knock down some shots? Tory Craig did it as well yesterday. And the Nuggets have to feel pretty confident that the guys now go into this game yeah, they've been in Game 7 three in a row. This is their fourth time, the first ever time in history a team's gone to four straight Game 7s. And they've got to feel that no matter what the situation is, we can beat the Clippers now. And uh, and that's uh, you know that's a pretty strong position for them to be in. Yeah, absolutely. You said Jamal Murray not going bonkers like he did in the Jazz Series, but Jokic Trey, I mean, he sort of was the one throwing up everything and it was dropping. We saw a lot of driveway dad Dirk shots. <laughs> oh my god. That little slow motion, one legged fadeaway. And it was, uh, you know, dagger after dagger after dagger, it felt like. You know, up, up, along with Murray chipping in there, of course, getting it going late after that scary fall. But this guy, at many times in this series now, has been the best player on the floor, right? A hundred percent. This was more than a 12 inch. This was a party sub from Nikola Jokic. He's got a driveway dad Dirk shot for all of his kids out there. He was giving it to Montrez Harrell. Harrell looks terrible. He looks just like almost unplayable right now. Every time he's on the court, uh, the Clippers seem to be getting killed, just giving up basket after basket inside. He just doesn't seem to be completely connected defensively. And then Zubats is fine, but it's still not a guy who's going to be able to really slow Jokic. And then they even tried Paul George on him, hit the super fadeaway right in his face. If you want to give up a clutch basket, put Paul George on the superstar. That's a for sure way to give it up. (laughs) I'm kidding. He was fine. But you talk about the Nuggets needing somebody else to step up. So did the Clippers. They had four guys score in the second half, right? And we have talked all year long about how they are one of the deepest team in the leagues. They've got so much uh, versatility, so many different guys they can go to. And now it feels like... You can go to Kawhi, maybe Paul George will be hot, and then 
we'll be happy with anything else. And that is not what we expected from the Clippers. No, I remember even after game four in this series, I was on here talking about, wow, this is good. I mean, we thought the Clippers were going to close out the series, probably in five, move on to play the Lakers. You know, we're basically saying it was a wrap. And a big part of that was like, I saw something in game four. I was like, oh, Lou Williams, Montrose Harrell, that's starting to look a little like their regular season selves here in terms of the flow and getting into it, running some pick and roll. But that has completely, you're right, Trey, like, it just disappeared here in games five and six. It's uh, sort of shocking that those guys are really not contributing at all. And they're being exploited like Lou, not a surprise. But even Harold, to some extent, they're just going at them. Going at them. Getting them in any action the Nuggets are and liking their chances of scoring. So this is wild. The Nuggets are now 5-0 and when facing elimination here. You can't kill them. I saw Sekou Smith, NBA.com Sekou Smith, he wrote, I love this. In the absence of great expectations in these NBA playoffs, the Denver Nuggets have leaned into the warm embrace of desperation to fuel them. (laughs) It's weird. They get down 15, 16, Taz, and then they start to turn it on. And man, is it change in a hurry. And I guess it just helps when, well, suddenly Torrey Craig's hitting threes. And suddenly, yeah, uh, Gary Harris is hitting threes. And you talked about Monte Morris paired with your superstar duo. Yeah, you can put up points in a hurry. And... It helps when the Clippers have just mentally checked out. And like we said, like there's a lot of like, whose man is that over there? Like some of those were wide open, you know, in a, in a game where you're trying to close out this team. That is not a good look. So who has the who has the pressure on them, Tass? Is it solely on the Clippers, you think, going into game seven here? Because the Nuggets are like, you know, they were left for dead and here they are in another game seven. And the Clippers haven't been to the conference finals in what, 50 years? Like all the pressure has to be on them heading into this, right? I think so. They they are the ones with the expectations on their shoulders, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, the Nuggets uh, they they they're kind of playing with house money, and they're going up against history here. No team has come back from three one twice in the same postseason, and that would be a you know obviously the first time would be a miraculous feat. Uh, the Clippers just have to play all four quarters. Even uh, you know they got up nineteen, um, but it was uh, a roller coaster to get there. They could have closed the first quarter a lot better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think they see a couple minutes on the clock and or, or something. There's something that triggers them to just slow the f down. Uh, and we talk about defensively pointing at each other. I thought offensively is where they got real flat, not moving the ball, uh, and they got real really ugly. Uh, but their their biggest weakness was talked about all season long. How are they going to play against Anthony Davis uh, in a conference finals with Ivica Zubats, who hasn't been proven and no, or who hasn't proven that he can play a lot of minutes in the postseason and no real backup center to deal with them uh, because Montrez Harold is too small. And that has proved true. Not the first part. Zubats has played uh, his Balkan bro really, really well. Uh, that's the, their best matchup. But as soon as Montrez Harold goes on him, He's shooting 70% Jokic is against Harrell. He's, he is literally just turning around and, and flipping it up, and it looks awkward, but he knows it's going in. Oh, yeah. And, and so Zubats has to play a ton more. He, he just has to. And I think it would be a smart move for Jokic to get the ball and keep going at Zubats to get him in foul trouble because it has happened sometimes in this series, but it didn't in Game 6. And they're going to need a ton of him in Game 7. They, they should, anyways. They should play him a lot more because they really have no answer off the bench. And uh, that's the matchup I'll, I'll be looking at in Game 7 because other than the Clippers playing better, um, I, I think that's where the, the Nuggets can, can take this. They, there's a chance here. Jokic is going to have to be big again, and he has been uh, the best player uh, for a lot of this series. Yes, absolutely. Uh, do you think Doc Rivers would do something as drastic as not play Montrezl Harrell and play just lean on Zubats, like you said, and get six fouls out of him as long as you can. And then Jermichael Green, because that's been a little bit better as well, because Montrose Harrell is getting embarrassed by him. I mean, it's just, there's there's no fight there on that end of the floor. Could that be a possibility, Lee, or is that a little too crazy, what I'm I, suggesting? I, I, think he, I, I don't think he sits him out for the entire game. I think mm. he probably plays him, but if he is getting cooked, he kind of has to sit, sit him down, because if Montrose is giving you the points then you can kind of make up for a little bit if his defense isn't there because that's what he's out there to do. You know, he's getting 18 a game this season, but he's only about 10 per game in this series. So he's struggling on both ends right now. But I think it's pretty drastic if all of a sudden he's like, right, I'm benching the six man a year because he's energy, he's heart, he's hustle. He's that sort of guy who could just turn up in this game in, and, and, you know, sort of save the series. But uh, yeah, if I mean, the thing is, though, like what, what do they do really with Jokic? I mean, you know, you mentioned Zubats, sure. But Zubats just can't keep going at him for the entire game. They have to have other guys to try to mix it up on him. You know, they tried Marcus Morris. It was funny that the the, the most classic driveway dad, dad Dirk three that he had 
and you see Marcus Morris right there with him, and then his shoulders just slump. It reminded me of like Cliff Robinson when Jordan hits that six three, and you just sort of seem like, what oh, yeah. the hell? What, what do you want me to do? Exactly. Sure. Yeah. You know what? What can I possibly do to defend him? So. Uh, that that's the thing for, for Doc Rivers. It's like, I, I'm not sure there's sort of one solution that can slow Jokic down because he's got such a unique style. And maybe it's trying to take those other guys out yes, of it. Yes, yes. You, know. you live with Jokic going for 50, in all honesty, if you can try and take away the other guys. Yeah. Which, like, take away, take away the three-point shots and stuff. Yeah, because that's not really even in Jokic's DNA to go, like, for no. that. To he doesn't that. want Jamal to. Jamal Murray can, though. We know yeah. that. Yeah. Jokic doesn't want to be the guy to go no. out there and have to score 45. He loves to pass the ball and get his yeah. teammates involved. And, and he's not afraid to throw those crazy cross-court passes from the post to the other side of the court either. So... He's, he's more comfortable when he's being a part of the offense rather than necessarily being all the offense. Yeah, the Nuggets' uh, second team um, in history, I guess, or at least since 1997, I should say, to have back-to-back 15-point comebacks when facing elimination. <laughs> the 2018 Warriors did that. So, Trey, do you think Michael Malone could go to Doc Rivers before Game 7 and say, hey... Would you be cool if we just give you 15 points right off the top? <laughs> um, and what would Doc say? Would Doc take it or say, I'm not falling into that trap? No, no, no. It's 0-0. Zero, zero. We're starting game 7-0-0 zero, zero, just like we always have. I don't want your free 15 points. What do you think? Uh, he's going to give him the 15 points, and then he's going to go into his huddle and say, guys, whatever you do, no physical confrontations. Game 5 turned on a chin-to-chin. Game six turned on Paul George falling on Jamal yeah. Murray. Just stay away from him, man. If you're not touching the Nuggets, maybe they can't do anything. But um, to me, the question is, who on the Clippers gets this team fired up? Who is there saying, hey, we got to go out and win seven? When they, are, when they are blowing a lead in the second half of these games, who's the vocal leader who steps up right. and says, we need to do something? It's not Kawhi. He's just a quiet guy. We've heard that. He says a lot during film sessions, apparently, but it doesn't seem like he's the, the rah-rah guy out there. Paul George, a bit of a cool customer. Patrick Beverly, I think, would be the the answer. He fouled out yesterday, and he hasn't really been very good in the bubble as well. And then you'd think maybe it's Doc Rivers, their coach. He's the NBA coach who has blown the most 3-1 leads in the history of the NBA. This is a tough spot for the Clippers. You know, we're talking about uh, the Nuggets are trying to do something historical too, but so are the Clippers. They've got a lot of history to contend with because you saw it yesterday. People are getting ready to send out those... Clippers stay the Clippers tweets. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. Oh, I can't believe if they blow a 3 1 lead to Denver here and, ref- and still not make a conference finals with this tack- stack team, with how they played all regular season and what we thought was going to be the Battle of LA. It's, of course, still in play. I wouldn't even be all that shocked, if I'm being honest, that the Clippers do have a blowout win in them. And maybe it comes in game seven, but geez, who knows? You just don't want to get to a game seven. Because crazy, crazy things can happen. Why couldn't Jamal Murray catch fire Lee and hit another eight threes? Of course we saw what Jokic could do. Why couldn't these other guys? And then maybe just the Clippers. When During that stretch when they gave up the lead, I will say the Clippers had a lot of decent looks. I mean, on their end. They were like, there was a lot of their, like that, that, that one stretch where they couldn't hit a shot. You're like, okay, that's a good shot for you, but you just can't hit it. That could happen again in Game 7. So this is wild. I want to know what you think the casual fan is cheering for in Game 7, though. Do people want to see the Nuggets like come back and sort of do it again as like this ultimate underdog? Or do people be like, okay, cool story, very cute, awesome, but we sort of want the Battle of LA. Tass, I mean, either yourself, you can put yourself into that position, what would you want? Or what do you think like more people would like to see in a conference finals in the West? Is it this cool Nugget story or is it the Battle of LA? It's the Battle of LA. And I think Lee, Lee made a noise when you were asking that question. He gave a little, mm, so I believe he feels the same way. Am I right, Lee? I, I think so, because we've never seen it before, and we've been looking forward to the Battle of LA since basically Kawhi and Paul George joined, Paul George joined the Clippers. So we want to actually see it now. But having said that, I can't help but root for the uh, Nuggets in Game 7 now because it would just be an incredible comeback. They, they looked dead against the Jazz and they came back and won. They looked dead against the Clippers yeah. and they came back and won. And I would also just love to see how far they can take this. Could they seriously take the Lakers to six or seven games again? Possibly, maybe not. But they're just so kind of weird and hard to figure out. At their best, they look great. But at times, they also look just disgusting like they did against the Jazz for those three games. <laughs> yeah. So. So who knows? But uh, I think when you again, when when you're down and the way that they've come back in these last two games, it sort of is like, all right, Nuggets, let's get crazy, go for it, you know, <laughs> end this series now if you can. So uh, I guess that's where I'm leaning for Game Seven anyway. Yeah, if they do pull it off this, I mean, we can call it an upset in Game Seven over the Clippers. It's got like an eerie vibe or similar vibe to when we thought we were going to get a LeBron Kobe final, right? Right. And uh, it was instead the Magic going through, and it was yeah. like, okay, you know. 
that's cool. That was amazing. But it was like, oh, we almost had a LeBron Kobe final. I mean, mm-hmm. that'd be great. And I, I feel, a part of me does think that way too. And I don't want to get, you know, all the Nuggets fans upset. They're already blasting us for saying they were dead <laughs> in the water. Task, come on, where's the respect, Lee? You're saying hummus about them and all this. They're an appetizer. You barely even uh, watch the game, uh, game five. But I, I mean, again, I'm just rooting more mm. for a Clippers versus Lakers uh, battle. But you're right. It's so damn fun. You're like, let's just enjoy this while it continues. Yeah, I, I I hope those Nuggets fans have got a sense of humor. I mean, the Friday night game it was we, we were looking forward to the Celtics and Raptors. Yes, we didn't want the Nuggets to get all crazy on us, and they did. And 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 you know, people are like, oh, show us some respect. It's like, come on, man, it's a game seven. That's what we were there for. So well, now you got a game seven though. Lee. Exactly. Perfect. So the respect Perfect. has to be there. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, we can make our ultimate predictions. I think on. Uh, well, no, actually, we don't have a daily show. Do you want to lock it in now, then? Who you think wins Game 7? Does everybody think the Clippers ultimately still pull this out? Trey, I'll start with you. Uh, <laughs> oh. Who knows, man? Game 7, anything could happen out there. Like you're saying, maybe we finally see the Jamal Murray game. Uh, my high school roommate is from, De- or my college roommate is from Denver. We were texting mm. yesterday. He said, you got to stand with Smooth on Tuesday. I got to find a Denver Nuggets jersey and be standing Give me the Nuggets. Why not? Wow. I would love to see a collapse from the Clippers. It's funny you said, give me a Nuggets jersey or you want to find one. I think it was my buddy Grish was saying, it's like next to impossible to find a Jamal Murray jersey. He was trying. I think he was trying to find one for his son, for Andreas. And he's like, they're all out of stock. Like, make more Jamal Murray jerseys, which is really wild if that's true. He was saying actually this prior to the playoffs, if I remember correctly, too, which is even more crazy because then he went bonkers in that first round. So, okay, you're going Nuggets. You're you're living wild. Give this guy a plate of hummus. Let's call it a day. <laughs> Tell the full thing of hummus. Come yeah, on, mate. You sure. say you're trying to eat like a plant-based lifestyle and you're slamming hummus as a main meal? That's a huge source of protein, dog. I, I listen. I eat a lot of hummus, a ton of hummus in my house, just not as a main course. It's mm. always like you know beforehand. My wife Roxana makes incredible hummus. Lots of garlic, lots of cumin in there. It's really nice. flavoursome. So yeah. I love hummus. Flavorsome. I'm big, flavorsome. I'm big on hummus. Flavoursome. I'm, I'm just saying, it's if, got you, ever some sit, flavors. if you sit down at a restaurant here. and and someone slops a big old you know dollop of hummus on your plate for your main course, you're probably like, ah, oh, I wasn't really expecting it for this, sure. but it's great. I love hummus. Okay, so you're taking it's probably a bad restaurant is what it I, is. I, they, I, if listen, they just you know, slop a dollop of non-flavoursome <laughs> hummus on your plate, yeah, I've noticed in restaurants the hummus tends to be uh, lacking flavor Bad. I don't know they don't They don't want to take too many risks with their hummus yeah, that's right we go heavy heavy on, on the ingredients it's great but I am also <laughs> taking the nuggets because oh I mean this is, this is what you want we want crazy we want crazy see I don't gonna... know if you do I don't know if you do in this case this crazy's been good do you really want nuggets Lakers in the, in the conference finals I'm just, I'll say it look I'll take the blowback from the nuggets fans I, I know they want that I get that but everybody else I don't buy it. I don't no, think anybody else does want it. I'm in. I'm in on the Nuggets. Right. I, I want to see Jokic in the in the conference finals. I just he he's so much fun to watch, and uh, he, he's more fun to watch, I think, than anyone on the Clippers in an individual sense. I know yeah. Kawhi's a better player, you know, but uh, as far as just enjoyment and entertainment, uh, Jokic is is. Probably, you know, certainly in the top two or three for me to watch in the league. Oh, my goodness. Well, things have changed. we got two guys going nuggets. I'm going to stick with the Clippers. Taz, finish it off. Who are you going in game seven? Who do you think wins? Well, I think the casual fan or more fans believe that the Clippers would have a better series uh, with the Lakers. And that's why they would tend to choose the Clippers over the Nuggets. And, and I I would as well. I just I just think they're going to close it out. Although I have to confirm... Uh, Trey, you said you talked to your your former your roommate from Denver who is named Smooth. Is that why you're standing with Smooth? <laughs> yeah, why, so. why is he smooth? He's talking about your face, Tess. I mean, you're pretty smooth. <laughs> Shave yeah. with Smooth. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, his name is Jeff. He listens to every show. Shout out to Jeff. Yeah, uh, Jeff. But he's got the smoothest game in the in the world. He was a lefty. The guy played exactly like Sam Perkins as a college kid. It was, oh, it was great. Yes. Lee would have loved playing oh, with this yeah. guy. Oh, that'd be awesome, man. What a compliment, uh, compliment that is. Sam Perkins. You love Jeff's game, but you don't like Paul George, who is also smooth. <laughs> oh, he's very smooth. I Jeff, do like Jeff it, much yeah. smoother than Paul George. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'll say wow. it. I'll say it. You know? Oh, jeez. <laughs> That's a bold statement. All right. Let's hear from you guys uh, in the YouTube chats right now who you like in Game 7, who you cheering for, even Nuggets, Clippers, and, of course, tweet at us as well, at No Dunks Inc. Anything else from that one, gentlemen? We'll move on to Saturday's game where LeBron... 
he uh, led a dominant Lakers team to the Western Conference Finals. 119-96 win over the Rockets. So LeBron, 29 points, 11 boards, 7 assists. He improved to 37-10 and 10 in closeout opportunities. I thought that was a crazy stat. Markeith Morris, guys, uh, you know, since going into the starting lineup, sure worked versus the Rockets. He was great again in Game 5, hit a bunch of threes. So no doubt the Lakers... They appear to be peaking at the right time, and we're going to talk about them more once we know who their conference finals opponent is. But first, like, let's do a little quick eulogy here for the Rockets, because we had some news, Lee. Rockets coach Mike D'Antoni has informed the franchise that he's becoming a coaching free agent and he won't return to Houston next season. So this is something we thought was uh, possibly in play. D'Antoni has confirmed it basically right away. I ain't going to be here. I'll probably be coaching somewhere else. So where do the Houston Rockets go from here in terms of who could be their next coach and what they even do with this roster after, you know, a very, very disappointing, you know, five-game series loss to the Lakers? Well, they certainly laid it all on the line there in Game 5. They gave the Lakers everything they possibly had. No, no, it it had the feel of of, of the last uh, run of a pickup game on a a Wednesday night where everyone's like, let's just get this last one over and done with. Last game's always the worst. Never play the last game. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. and why do we always play the last game and add like another six or seven points to our final? Like, why? Why do we do that? You guys want to stick around? We only got fours. We can go fours. Uh, Worst decision of all time. And then no one's really keeping track of the score, but the team losing just as all of us sudden within a point or two oh, it's yeah. like, hang on what's going on here but yeah, no, so yeah. I mean the thing with the Rockets is that you know the D'Antoni situation is weird because he kind of said beforehand he was like well I, I've been I had a great time I hope we can keep it going and then he said I'm out of here so that was a little bit weird but I, I, I still would like to look at this from the Rockets standpoint from a glass half full situation and the, the roster they have right now they're guaranteed to make the playoffs next season and how many franchises would like to have that as their, like, like, like if you think of you're the Kings or the Timberwolves or the Wizards or the Knicks or someone like who have just been perpetually struggling to even be relevant, at least the Rockets are at, at that point where they are right now, where they're going to make the playoffs. And Daryl Morey has shown that he can find veterans who have bounced around to fit the style that they play, mm-hmm. you know, who just shoot threes and can play defense. So I feel that they'll kind of be where they are again next season. It's just whether or not they can actually, in the playoffs improve their game and and that's the big question is how do they do that how do they become the team that at times during the regular season you're like this could work this could work this is a crazy system but it could work but then in the playoffs they just you know i mean effort was really lacking in this series that was ultimately what what did them in but the way that they're playing if you're going to go for this style this small ball style shooting threes then dive into it as much as you can and just surround harden and westbrook to a degree with shooters as much as you can and just keep going with it if that's what they're doing because I saw people saying, well, you've got to trade Westbrook. Okay, good luck. I mean, $130 million, he's three years left. He's 32 years old. I don't know what sort of a market there is there out there for him, for one. And for two, you know, then draft picks are no good to the Rockets right now. They need veterans who are ready to play and who can come in and contribute into they that ha- system. They also don't have any draft picks. Well, they don't have any anyway. An but but that's people are saying, you know, start the rebuild. It's like, well, that's no good unless you're going to trade Harden as well, which we know they're not going to do that. So the Rockets, you know, it was, a, a, again, a disappointing end to the season. But the style that they want, if Daryl Morey wants to keep playing that style and just having veterans out there to shoot threes, then he just has to keep sort of restocking those guys on cheap contracts as much as he can. So what? So you can be the fourth or fifth seed and well, lose okay, the second again, round what's, every what's, year? I mean, but what what's the alternative? What's the alternative, though, then? Blow it up and start again? I mean, Honestly, know. maybe. Okay, but how are you going to do that? Well, you're going to try and trade, like you said, Westbrook. First off, every contract you can trade in this league. I've proven sure. time and time again. So there yeah. is something that could happen. You're right. Very difficult, the money he's made and the age he's at and the injuries and stuff like that. You said it. There is, of course, the possibility of truly blowing it up and moving off from Harden and just going in a completely different direction. That would probably depend on who the new coach is. Is a, Are you going with a Kenny Atkinson and you're trying to get young pieces back and just restart? That's drastic, but a possibility. I mean, you said the glass was half full. I don't know. Tass, is this glass half full or half empty? Because I think it's half empty. They're already against the salary cap. Um, they don't like to get into luxury tax, so you're not going to be going crazy with that. How do they get a difference maker on this squad? I mean, with the three guys, Harden, Westbrook, and Eric Gordon, making crazy amounts of money for, what, three years, basically, depending on some player options there. You don't have any draft picks. You went all in on small ball. Lee says to keep going in on all, keep going, I guess, next level on it. But what's that even mean? I don't even... You're not getting Steph Curry on the team. Like you're not getting bet. Like I guess you're gonna hope to find better three-point shooters, but I'm not even sure that works. So, are you a task half full here or half empty glass of kombucha? <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, is it is it a flavorsome glass of kombucha? That's the question for me. Is the restaurant putting in multiple spices into that kombucha? I guess that's what they do with kombucha, and it doesn't taste good. So, uh, give me half empty. Uh, th- this is what I think the Rockets are g- got to do. They got to get a tall guy who is extremely skilled, who can shoot threes and can play center. Uh, Anthony Davis, perhaps. I think I think that's their dream is to get somebody who can board uh, and shoot and be a skilled big man. That's that's their dream. If Clint Capella was that guy, he'd still be on the roster. Right. Uh, but aside from that, that ain't gonna happen. Uh, they, they're going to try and get a coach in who's going to try and get Russell Westbrook and James Harden to play a little bit differently because the roster is going to be the same. It's going to be tough to ask Westbrook to cut off the ball a little bit more, uh, become a better shooter, which is what he said he was going to do when he got eliminated last year from the playoffs. He said, I'm going to try and work on my shot. That didn't happen. I guess you got to hope with a guy who's going to be soon, soon to be 32 that the quad injury was a part of it. And... Even COVID slowed him down because he contracted yeah. the virus. So if if that kind of stuff, if those two things slowed him down here, if that, that took away from his game, hopefully that's the answer. Because he was great for January and February, but it's probably just that he's 32 and uh, he's going to be 32 and he's just he just can't stop and start. The, the gas and the brakes just aren't the same for a guy who relies on his athleticism to be able to to stop and pop. Uh, you're going to get a great game like you did in game three, and then you're going to get some bad games. So it's it's very tough. He's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. Uh, and if you're the Rockets coach, you're going to try and ask James Harden to cut off the ball or move off the ball a little bit. Uh, I think those are what you want. You want Westbrook to be a bit of a different player, Harden to be a bit of a different player. And you're going to ask Daryl Morey to go to Kazakhstan and across the world to find some skilled dude uh, who can step in and be a center on this team that I don't think they necessarily dream of playing small ball with no centers. I think they just want to have all skilled guys who can shoot and move and cut and switch sure. on defense. So I mean, those are the dreams, but uh, I, I do see them yeah, being sort of the same sort of squad next year because I don't think they're going to give up. After giving up Chris Paul and a billion picks uh, for, for Russell Westbrook, and the the, uh, the outlook of three years of these two guys together, I don't think they're going to give up right now because it would be a rebuild and it wouldn't be great because they don't have picks. So uh, I think we're going to get more of the same, to be honest. Trey, what do you think, man? I don't know. You guys know I'm always going to be back in the Rockets here, and I look at it and say, hey, Lee had Westbrook in his MVP ballot. He was that good this year when he was at his best, but then there was a four-month layoff, then he caught COVID, and then he hurt his leg, and it looked like it was the start of the season, Westbrook again. Maybe they just need an entirely healthy season. Good luck getting that out of Russell Westbrook at uh, age 32 going into the future. Age 36, yikes festival. Uh, Also, Tass is 100% right. They need somebody who can shoot a couple of threes, play a little defense. They need basically another Robert Covington who's more... In the big man mold, you saw Kelly Eco at The Athletic recommended maybe a Jeremy Grant, maybe a Serge Ibaka. Those are guys that would seem to fit there, but I don't think that losing to LeBron and the Lakers necessarily means you got to abandon small ball. What if the Rockets had gotten the Nuggets in this series, right? They would be able to pick on Nikola Jokic as a defensive guy. Maybe they could play an MVP candidate off the court. I don't think uh, just because you can't beat the best teams doesn't mean you have to abandon everything. you got to figure out how to beat the best teams because that's the problem right now. The Rockets can beat 95% of the league, but the 5% of the league that wins the championship, they can't beat them playing with the lineups they have now. And, yeah, it would be awesome if Harden and Westbrook uh, suddenly got active off the ball. I don't see that happening, but, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they hire Ty Lue and he says, hey, check out all this Steph Curry tape. Look what he does after he passes the ball. He runs to the corner and suddenly he's wide open. There are a lot of improvements to be made, but – the Rockets were also still pretty close. They were, you know, they weren't far away. They looked terrible, no doubt about it, against the Lakers. And it's disappointing, and that seems to be the way every Rockets season ends. But I don't abandon it personally. That being said, they now lo- no longer have the coach who basically invented this style. So yeah. who knows what's going to happen? They just have a lot of guys on their team with big contracts that seem like they only fit on the Rockets. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird, weird roster. And yeah, who's going to be the coach? Any guesses, Lee? Uh, or who would you peg if you were that, that organization? You're Daryl Morey? Like, who would you want to, like, try and get in here to, like Trey was talking about, switch things up, come up with some maybe def- offensive wrinkles? Obviously, you're going to try and find guys, too, defensively to help out. But who is it? I mean... <laughs> I was so hoping D'Antoni didn't basically resigned yesterday and knew we were going to ask this question because I'm like, I have no idea who the Rockets really want now because D'Antoni is the perfect coach for this system. 
He just basically unlocks that offense and just says, just go out there, everyone, and put up huge numbers and reinvent your career in some ways because all you're going to do is have to shoot threes and play a little bit of defense and get out and transition. So who looks at that team right now and is like, I can I can get more out of James Harden, who's basically been averaging 35 a game for the last couple of years. And how, how can I get Westbrook to actually change his game, to convince him to change his game? Because that is really the key here. Westbrook... Remember, from January to around March, just before the the shutdown, Westbrook really did play some fantastic basketball where he was driving in. So can you convince Russell Westbrook to do that all season long? And if you can, then I think things change for the Rockets. But but who is that guy that Westbrook, kind of like what we've seen with Steve Nash going to the the Nets, like I feel that that Kyrie and Kevin Durant basically like, we're going to listen to this guy straight away. Who is that guy for Russell Westbrook? Because I'm not sure there's uh, an easy answer for that because we know he's kind of stubborn and he kind of is gets stuck in his ways. And is that Ty Lue? I mean, I, if I'm Ty Lue, I'm not sure that is the most attractive position out there. You know he's going to get one of these jobs. Does he want to go to where there's some veterans who are pretty stubborn and stuck in their ways or does he want to go to a younger team that's on the rise a little bit more? I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly what the answer is because D'Antoni came in to replace Kevin McHale and immediately the Rockets started just playing the way that Daryl Morey envisioned them to do that. And and how many other guys? Don Nelson would be great fit, but he's obviously not going to come out of retirement to coach that team, I don't think. so. Um, Maybe it, if it, they it, make the bubble in uh, in the Caribbean. In, the, in Hawaii. Hawaii. Yeah. 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 He's in Hawaii, right, right, but, right. Yeah, um, the other side. I, yeah, I mean, I think he, he is the sort of guy in theory because he's a crazy guy as well, like who, who runs all sorts of different combinations, but uh, I can't see him you know, coming back to coach anymore. So... Uh, I'm not sure. I really don't know who he is. I'm going to think about it a little bit more. Maybe well, it may not be William Rondo. William Rondo sure <laughs> seemed to get Westbrook fired up. <laughs> William Rondo. What a name. Yeah, That's amazing. Yeah, the brother of Rashawn there barking at him. Um, it may not be an established name. You're seeing Jeff Van Gundy's name thrown around. You said Ty Lue. There's other names uh, that have coached already in the league. But maybe it is like uh, what the Raptors did with getting rid of Dwayne Casey and bringing in sort of an unknown guy, obviously, to the casual fan and Nick Nurse. Maybe it is like an assistant coach. that uh, Maybe it's a Sam Cassell. Maybe it's a Finchie there. His name's Chris Finchie. Yeah. Like, it could be like, that would be a little, I guess a little weird because you do have Harden and Westbrook and then it's like sort of, who's this guy? But it also yeah. can I, work to get like a, a new innovator, let's uh, to, mm. for the lack of a better word, to come in there and shake things up. Yeah, you, you just need someone who can actually get through to those two stars. I, I think that's the key here, because if, if James Harden and, and Westbrook are just like, we don't really care, we're just going to go out and get ours anyway, then things aren't going to change. Right. You need right. someone who can who, who can do it. And, and I mean, look, there's a situation, if you remember, like with, the, with uh, LeBron's first season in Miami, they didn't win the championship. Fair enough, they did make the finals and they were close. But in that second season, you know, things got together and they gelled a little bit more and they co- and they connected. Um, and they didn't have a super well-known coach. I mean, Eric Spolstra was well-respected within the franchise, but it took time to sort of, you know, earn, earn the respect of his players. And he eventually got there and they won a couple of championships. Now, this is a different situation because of the team in, in Houston there. But maybe after another season, Westbrook and Harden look back, get together and say, all right, we have to actually change here I, I mean it's it's hard to see that happening though myself I mean it's just hard they both they both just sort of seem a little bit stuck in their ways but uh but who knows I mean if you get the right communicator in there maybe maybe someone can have uh, more success with them yeah you want Phil Jackson coach the, the Rockets I, I mean it, retirement you know in an ideal situation yes I think that would be a good choice but we saw him I don't think he's uh you know in, in the sort of condition no. where he can become an NBA head coach again so you no. know I mean Popovich as well yeah Popovich would probably be the right guy to get through to them but it's not realistic so right right you know we he's will see in the Nets yeah <laughs> assistant coach yeah uh and we don't even know if Daryl Morey will be the one making some of these decisions right I mean he's still there and I yeah. guess uh, early reports are that he will stick around and, and have another crack at this but we don't know for sure so we'll see what do you guys think about the Rockets best way to ask it I think is uh are you optimistic or is it half the glass half full or is it half empty that kombucha what do you think about them <laughs> moving forward and their chances of actually still competing here for but to my point about that earlier though I mean that like what I mean is like you know when you say a rebuild you sort of assume you're not going to make the playoffs for a couple of years but but would you rather be in the rocket situation where you're like, well, we probably aren't going to win the championship next year, but we're going to make the playoffs and have a chance at it. Or, you know, a team like the Kings that is just like, they would give anything to be in that situation where yeah. it's like, you know, like like we just want any sort of 
success because it's been forever since we've yeah, even been but close. Yeah, but Lee, once you get to that level and then you yes. just keep disappointing, disappointing. I mean, the Raptors were a perfect, for example, for all of those years, right, where they just kept coming up short. Everyone's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Here's what it comes down to. Can we just win a title with DeMar DeRozan really as our lead guy? Can we do that? Uh, well, they ultimately decided probably not, so let's move him. You can ask that same question, I think it's fair right now, with James Harden. For can, sure. Can, can we win with this guy? The way he plays, for of course, through a regular season and then in playoff series. Like, can we do it? I think a lot of people still think he could. Um, you could with him as your main guy. And then I think of now more and more times this happened, people are like, I don't know if you can. Yeah. That's, that's all I'm saying. Like, I get what you're saying. Like, yeah, I'd rather be the Rockets than the Sacramento Kings. But that is a low fucking bar. Like, that is <laughs> but, barely but point, off the ground. My point is, though, at least... There's there's a chance there because you know you're going to the playoffs with the Rockets. Sure, and and you've been there for years. You know James Harden's getting you the playoffs by himself. If oh, you're the come Kings, on. you're you're just angry about hummus. Life is about perspective. <laughs> you've got Roxanne as <laughs> yeah, hummus on Monday. Are you going to be happy when you have a slop hummus on Tuesday? But, no. Okay, but no. would you again? Would you rather be the franchise that's just not even? It's it's like a miracle if they even make the playoffs versus yeah. a team that's like uh, because I felt the same way with the Raptors. It's like. I'm not sure they can do it, but at least this is not where they used to be. Where it's just like they don't—they're out of the playoffs by by January each season. You know, my mm-hmm. my point is that it's like, you know, thing. If the Rockets just have that, find that right connection and the right player and adjust things around, then maybe they can go a little bit further. And as Trey mentioned, maybe against the Nuggets, we're talking right now of a Rockets Lakers uh, conference finals. I mean, it's possible. So it's just to me, I still would rather be in the position where you're like you're in the playoffs and you're a chance rather than blow it up and be like, well, let's just go right back to the bottom and then wait five years. And maybe it's going to be 10 years and 15 years before we're back in the playoffs. Of course, of course. So, you know, I mean, I I understand as well, James Harden doesn't just want to make the playoffs right now. He wants to be competing. But, I mean, you know, that's how many teams like that throughout the years have we seen have been like really good teams that just come up short because they're just not quite good enough to beat the best team of that season. I mean, right now he is Dirk Nowitzki before he got a championship. Would you have blown up the Mavericks after they lost to the Warriors? Some people probably would have said, yeah, and then you never get that championship in 2011, but maybe he's also Allen Iverson, a great scorer and MVP, a guy you love to have on your team who ultimately just comes up short um, every single time in his career, never really changes. Uh, uh, so they've already we'll got see. an Allen Iverson on their team in Russell Westbrook. <laughs> I mean, I think that's that, <laughs> two that, Iversons yeah. never worked before. Wow, <laughs> they went two two Iverson. Uh, <laughs> literally, okay. Well, let's hear from you about the Rockets. We could talk all day about them, and I'm sure we will as we get into the off season. But let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. Sure was nice seeing the teams back out on the gridiron over the weekend. Oh, yeah. Oh. Anyone, uh, how did my Eagles go? Anyone know? Did they, they oh, win? Eagles flew too high, man. Oh. I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, lucky for us, that was just week one. There is no better place to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. Mm-hmm. To add to this week's excitement, DraftKings has millions of dollars in prizes up for grabs. If you haven't tried DraftKings yet, head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. Draft your lineup now and feel the sweat like never before, like a Tasmelis just before our show. <laughs> sweaty, sweaty, sweaty. Every run, pass, and catch means more with DraftKings. It's simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Nothing adds to the excitement of watching a game quite like having a shot at millions of dollars in prizes. That is true. I mean, if you've got some money riding on it, you're into the game a whole lot oh, more. Oh, yeah. You're, you're turning on your players pretty quickly, but then you're also cheerleading for them as well when they do something good. It happens. It happens. Uh, DraftKings has paid out billions of dollars to winners since 2012, so they know a thing or two about cold, hard cash. Download the DraftKings app now and use code RUN. For a limited time, new users can get a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes this week. Don't miss out on the week two action. Enter code RUN. You get a free shot at millions of dollars of prizes with your first deposit. That's code RUN, R-U-N, only at DraftKings. Make it rain. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details and go Eagles. Oh, yeah. Did the Eagles play? Did anybody look it up? Or did they play? <laughs> yeah, right? they lost to the oh. Washington football team. Oh, oh wow. Washington, that's our rival, man. Nickname. That's our yeah. biggest rival, isn't it? Yeah, yeah man. Um, yeah. Hey, did you have uh, Trubinsky on your uh, DraftKings squad there, Trey? <laughs> oh, old Mitch? 
Uh, I can't say I'm a true believer, but what a comeback what by a this comeback. guy. And what a drop in the end zone by the Detroit Lions. Ooh. Thank you very much for that win the Bears should not have had. Yeah, that was... We'll take was that Swift that dropped it? I think that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not good oh. when you're trending. When Swift is trending and it's not Taylor, something bad yeah, happened out there. That was he put it right there, right in his hands, and he just dropped it. Got a little, little scared. Crazy. Um. All right. So uh, go Eagles in week two. Get in on DraftKings. What else we got here? Hey, did you guys hear sports are back? Yeah, I have. <laughs> we love them, God, don't we, yeah. folks? Basketball, duh. Baseball, sure. Football, Lee, huge fan. F1, great <laughs> race on Sunday. Soccer, sometimes. Yep. Golf, every once in a while. Tennis, why not? Cricket, only the sickos. But with all those sports <laughs> a-sportin', sometimes you don't want to leave the couch, even if it is to go to the kitchen to cook something up. And that's why you got to holla at DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right now right to your door. Ordering is easy. You open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory, or support your local go-tos by selecting your favorite local restaurant that's open for delivery and waiting for food that will be left at your door because DoorDash deliveries, like I said, they're contactless to keep communities they operate in safe. Right now, No Dunks listeners can get five bucks off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code NODUNKS. That's five fin dogs off yours and zero delivery fees on that first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code NODUNKS. Don't forget, that's code NODUNKS for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. All right, let's get into our Celtics Heat. Eastern Conference Finals preview. We'll make our predictions. Game one tips on Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. No games on on a Monday night. We've got this one, and then we'll have game seven, baby, between the Nuggets and Clippers. But we'll get into our keys for the series. I'll just get us started because a key to me is how tired are the Celtics going to be here? Now, I know they have a couple days rest, but they just went through a grueling, grinding game seven uh, Seven-game series versus the Raptors, the defending champs. While, you know, the Heat and Jimmy Butler are drinking Michelob Ultras uh, by the poolside there, relaxing for the last little while. Will that play into the what happens early in this series? I think it's uh, possible, especially when you consider the bench for the Celtics. It's shorter. Uh, yes, they have Brad Wanamaker, but it is shorter <laughs> than the Miami Heat sort of depth, the guys that they can run out that. So, and you know, you just look at the minutes too. The Sporting News broke it down. <laughs> The key players for the Celtics, I mean, Tatum, Brown, Smart, Walker, they've all played over 400 minutes. Well, the Heat have, like, spread theirs out a lot more. Played, of course, less games, so there's less minutes to go around. But, like, Butler and Bam, like, you know, tapping out around 300 minutes. And then Iguodala, not even 200. So that is big. So this all then ties into when is Gordon Hayward coming back? And if he does, how, you know huge that could be for the Celtics another body another guy that can trust another 20 point per game score on many nights um, can obviously switch on defense so that's big you know he suffered the grade three sprain of his ankle in the first playoff game I guess it was back in mid-August ruled out for four to six weeks he left the bubble he comes back he's rehabilitating but it looks like he's going to play at some point in this series we don't know when we don't know if it's game one on Tuesday we don't know if it's game three or four but that's huge and then how rusty is he and whose minutes is he taking and if he's not looking good is he out so I'm just like this is big to me. The fatigue factor, even though the Celtics are a young squad, young legs and their stars, but then that ability to maybe get Gordon Hayward back and how you know huge, again, that could be in what should be a really, really good series here. So that's what I'm watching, that little fatigue possibility, and then Gordon Hayward's return. Trey, what do you got your eyes on? Uh, not to mention that it feels like the Heat haven't played in like 10 years. Right. When was the last time the Heat actually had a basketball game? I see news about them every once in a while. I'm like, oh yeah, Jimmy Butler, he's still around. Yep. And he's going to be huge in this series, no doubt about it. The best matchup, it's out on the wing. Tatum and Butler, they've been the best in the East so far. Maybe they play each other to a standstill. That's why I'm looking at the point guards, because both of these offenses look their best when the point guards ball in. The Celtics... They looked their worst against the Raptors when Kemba was in the box and one. They were taking him out of the game. He had nine shots and a loss. He had five points in another loss, and it just didn't look like he could ever find any daylight. When he would get in on track in semi-transition, the Celtics looked even better. They figured out ways to score uh, in the half court as well when Kemba was able to get some looks. 
And we'll see. We'll see. You know, Eric Spolstra is a great coach, just like uh, Nick Nurse was. But is he going to go to a box and one? I don't know. Maybe we're seeing a little bit more standard defenses uh, against mm-hmm. Kemba Walker. And on the other side, Goran Dragic is just straight up and balling in the bub. But he hasn't seen a, de- a defense like the Celtics yet. They are leveling up, no doubt, the Miami Heat are. He's going to be guarded sometimes, uh, Goran Dragic, I imagine, by Jalen Brown, maybe by Marcus Smart as well. And then you're going to see the schemes that Brad Stevens pulls out. Whichever of these two guys between Kemba and Goran Dragic is able to put together a consistent series, I think is going to be a key to that team winning the series. Yeah, that's big. And Dragic, we talked him up. like It felt like every podcast there since we got to the bubble when he started starting for them, he was amazing. He has been. He's like averaging over 20 points per game in the playoffs. But he has cooled off. I know it was years ago, like you said, Trey. He started to cool off there in the semifinals. Um, only shot like 38% from the floor over the last three games. But I'm with you. He is... He, for, for To me, like the Heat go as far as sort of Heat because he's like the third guy there along with Butler and Bam, the Dragon is. So that's big. Um, and you're right. I think Kemba's going to get some uh, a lot better looks in this series. Uh, he's probably going to score a lot more. What do you got, Lee? What's your key? Well, I think uh, the one thing the Miami Heat want to do is, is is stay close to this game because they've got finishes. But I think also they want to be able to keep shooting threes the way they have done so far. They've shot, for the teams remaining in the playoffs anyway, they're hitting the most at 14 a game. And they're shooting them pretty well, 38%. And when you yeah. break it down a little bit further... They've got Crowder, Robinson, Dragic, and Tyler Hero all hitting two and a half a game at around 40%. So mm. right now, you know, that's, I think, the best way to beat the Celtics is to just make sure you can keep that uh, offense varied by a lot of guys contributing. And then if they're knocking down the threes, it just keeps the scoreboard ticking over. So that, to me, is, uh, is, is going to be key, how the Celtics defend. We know they do defend very well across the floor. If they can get out there and, and prevent those guys from hitting threes, I think that plays into the Celtics' favor. Um, you know that they're going to be locked in defensively. They rotate, they get out there and challenge. And then the younger guys like Robinson and Hero, they've played very, very impressively to this point. But now it's a conference finals. Can they continue to deliver? And can Jay Crowder, who's turned into Steph Curry down there in the bubble, can he continue to knock in those threes? Because he has been brilliant so far. But is he sort of punching above his weight a little bit or is this sustainable? So I think if the Heat can continue to hit those threes, I think... They probably are my favorite going into the series, but if the Celtics can slow them down and they have to sort of, uh, you know, contracts a little bit of their offense, then I think it favors the Celtics. And I know the Celtics' defense is very good, but this is a, a real arm wrestle, this series. I'm not sure who I've even going to pick yet because it's, uh, it's there's just so many factors that I think could tilt it one way or the other. Yeah. And uh, the three-point shooting is a big one for the Heat. Right. Well, I mean, we saw what the Celtics did taking away the Raptors' three-point shooting in the last Absolutely. series. Now, was a part of that just Raptors going ice cold from distance a little bit but a lot of it was like we talked about it you kept bringing it up lee like look where the raptors are having to shoot their Mm three-pointers they have just pushed them and pushed them so far back and can they do the same against the heat who are a better three-point shooting team so that should help them out but what do you got your eye on tessie yeah also just to add on to that point the celtics are able to push out the raptors because a lot of time you had marcus soul on the floor and didn't really have to worry about him i think bam Adebayo is going to be a big factor in the series both on offense and defense because he's a threat no matter what you know he'll be putting the ball on the floor uh and then on defense uh it's going to be drastically different for the Celtics seeing that guy even if they do play conventional and Kemba's going to see you know a pick and roll and see Bam switching out onto him uh Bam will be ready and mm-hmm. uh, I, I think they're just going to be uh you know five guys on the floor for the Heat will be uh, defensive and offensive weapons and and that's it's going to be a little different for the Celtics uh I also just think that uh, because they have five weapons offensively, I don't think you can really double Jimmy at the end of the game. So that's what I'm going to be watching. You know, it, we're talking about these battles and, and how good both teams are going to be. I think you're going to you're going to see games close down the stretch. I, I don't see uh, how how it won't be. Uh, you know, a real real uh, difficult some low scoring games and. Jalen Brown probably ends up on Jimmy a lot of the time at the end of games. I don't think, again, you can really double Jimmy. So will he be able to get it done a couple times as the guy in the fourth quarter to, to close it out and, and win Yeah, at least two games for them? It sure feels like they, they need him desperately because even though they'll have weapons and Tyler Hero yeah, you know, did come through and Dragic did come through, it'll be up to Butler to... To be the number one guy, and the question remains, as we talked about James Harden, can Jimmy Butler be a lead guy of a championship team? And uh, this is uh, this is his shot, this is Jimmy's shot. And I think even though Jalen Brown played solid one-on-one defense, 
Uh, Jimmy's just a, he's a tough animal uh, for, uh, to play one-on-one, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing if he can get it done uh, because the, I think the Heat have enough weapons around him so that you can't you know, come help. It's not a, a Marcus or, or, or that type of situation. They'll be able to you know, go to Bam or, or somebody uh, if, if they decide how we're going to get the ball out of Jimmy's hands. It's going to be, it's gonna be tough uh, if you're the Celtics to try that. So can't wait. Cannot yeah. wait. I mean, if you've seen like the predictions going around for this, this one feels pretty evenly split. It feels like half people saying that he could do this, go to the finals led by Jimmy Butler. Says the other half say, no, it's the Celtics time. Like I had forgotten like, you know, this is the third time in four years the Celtics have been in the conference finals. It's like, wow. I mean, with their young guys in Tatum and Brown, they're already back here. Um, so it's split. Uh, Trey, I think we know where you're going because you've been saying it for a while. You said whoever wins that Celtics-Raptors series will be the team representing the East in the finals. You still believe that and you're taking the Celtics, I assume? I don't know, Skeets. I look like an idiot picking against Jimmy Butler the last time. I love this <laughs> guy. And he's been one of the best in the bubble the whole time. He didn't do much in games four and five against the Bucks, though. Maybe he's slumping. Maybe it's all over for Jimmy Butler. I doubt it. He'll have some awesome games. This is going to be a fun series, just like Raptors-Celtics was. Yeah. These three teams are just so similar in the ways they're put together. Uh, so experimental on defense with guys who can guard and are adaptable. Different ways to score while not necessarily having the number one guy. Though you could argue that that's the case with Jimmy and Tatum. Both of them are number one guys. They just play in a team concept. I don't know. Uh, maybe Gordon Hayward comes back, and then maybe he has to leave again. That'll be weird too. If he has, because he's been planning on going for when his baby is born. Yeah. But, so we'll see how much we get out of him. I don't know. I hope this is a classic again. Give me the Celtics in six. Celtics in six. Okay. Yeah. It is like you saw. You brought up Jay Crowder there, Leah. You just made me think. Like, yeah. Because is he going to continue to hit like four threes a game? Same can be said about Marcus Smart. Like, is he going to have these games where he continues to hit four, five, six threes a game? It's it is wild to think. What's your prediction? Have you finally decided here, Lee? <laughs> uh, it, it's tough. It's tough. I'm not really sure. I don't have a real strong feeling about either team. But what I am going to do is I'm going to I'm going to remember Jimmy Butler up until games four and five of the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, series where he has been just incredibly dominant in the playoffs and he's up for it and he's fresh now and he's ready to go and this is his moment he's going to be motivated I, and I just wonder I, I mean does a long series matter when you've got young legs does it really matter and the Celtics got through it I mean is that really going to be a factor for Jalen and Jason Tatum who've been brilliant all series all, all playoffs long I think less so I think yeah. less so of a factor and they've got a young team and again Gordon Hayward coming in fresh should be really good for them you know another boost another player who can get a basket for them so They've got that. I'm just going to ride Jimmy Butler. Why not? I'll take the heat in seven. Um, I don't know. I really, I really don't feel super confident. I mean, yeah. I could easily pick the Celtics. So I'm just going to take the Jimmy Butler factor and see if uh, Trey can go crazy this series. If Jimmy has a great series and it, and it just kills I'll pick him. against him in the finals as well. <laughs> All right. Keep it going. All right. Tass, what, what do you think? Well... Yeah, there's, there's so many factors here. Yeah, the Gordon Hayward situation is interesting. Is he going to come back and look great uh, off the bat? Uh, he has just been sort of, uh, you know, going through workouts now. We'll take him a couple games. I think uh, Robin, his wife, is due at the end of this month. So fourth baby, to, fourth baby's pop a little early. Will he mm-hmm. be gone in the middle of the series anyways? Uh, who knows? Uh, but I, I'm not really counting on Gordon Hayward to provide a lot. I, I do think the Celtics will be great on, on the heat shooters. And maybe Jay Crowder doesn't have a series. But maybe Kelly Olenek coming off the bench against his old team could fire away. I think they're going to play some more, more tallies. And I think Olenek will get some space. I think we're going to have a big Kelly game. Uh, and uh, I, I just think this, yeah, we're going seven, baby. I don't see it any way we're not. And I'll take the heat in seven games. I think the Ooh. freshness, I think the freshness is going to matter uh, because, yeah, the Celtics keep grinding, even though they've been there. I don't know. It doesn't really mean a lot to me. I think this is a, a different iteration of this team, uh, you know, with, with Tatum and Brown at, at this stage of their career. Um, they're the underdog. Uh, the Heat are definitely the underdog, but at the same time, are there underdogs in this bubble? It sure does not feel like it. It just it feels like we're they're on the same level. And uh, I just see a couple couple little shots go in for the Heat. And uh, there she is. I'll take the Heat in seven. Uh, I'm going to go Celtics in seven. So we're split on this one, which I like. That makes sense. Like I said, it feels like uh, a majority of the people out there are. I love the fact that I think Tatum and Butler are going to be special, of course, at certain points in this series. I think they're sort of going to cancel each other out. A little bit. And I believe, and it was your key there, Trey, 
And I'm a huge Dragic fan. But again, he started to cool off a little bit. Things are going to be a little different against the Celtics defense, I think, for him. That Kemba, you know, his counterpart there at that point guard position, I think Kemba's going to have some big, big games or moments uh, in this series. I think it's going to be... The Heat are a great defense, don't get me wrong, but I think it's going to be a lot different than how we talked about the Raptors, what they were throwing at him, the junk he had to see there, and at least, I mean, even the frustration, I think, that probably set in at times. It's going to be easier. And, you know, this is a guy that didn't have a lot of chances to have any success in the playoffs and this is pretty special i think the celtics are going to go to the finals i sort of did think watching that raptors celtics series and i you know i came to think what trey was thinking like whoever wins this feels like the team that's going to represent the east so i'll go celtics and seven we're split let's hear from you guys at no dunks inc on twitter let us know in the youtube comments are you going Celtics or are you going Heat? It should be another awesome, awesome series with both teams being able to have go-to-star guys on both sides. They both play defense. They're both well-coached. They're not afraid to try things. Like, we could see Cantor play in this series, right? I don't think it's that, you know, far, far-fetched far to think sure. that he might have a role in this series. Didn't, of course, in the last one. So, we'll see. Can't wait. Tips on Tuesday, 6.30 a.m. <laughs> 6.30 a.m. <laughs> do you guys know EM? You know about EM time? A lot, a lot of people do. Evening maybe yeah. <laughs> evening actually evening maybe EM time alright uh, guys let me ask you this though is your student loan payment too high uh, is my puppy cute yeah duh well refinancing with Ernest could help you lower your monthly payment checking your new rate is fast and easy to start complete a few questions online it only takes two minutes and then you'll get a personalized rate estimate without affecting your credit score that's key. Even Money Mellis, I bet, agrees with that. Right there, Tess? Oh, yeah. That's how you do it. I'm, I'm being earnest as well. Nice. Plus, the internet loves earnest customer service. They've rated 9.4 out of 10 on Trustpilot. Those are like no dunks type of numbers there. So good <laughs> stuff. And now you can get $100 cash bonus when you refinance a student loan with earnest.com slash no dunks. Once again, you get $100 cash bonus when you refi your student loan at earnest.com slash no dunks. This is not available in all states, but visit earnest.com slash no dunks for more details. Terms and conditions apply. This is a fun part of this ad read. Earnest student loan refinance loans are made by Earnest Operations LLC NMLS number 1204917 California financing law license number 6054788 303 2nd Street Suite 401 North San Francisco, California 94107. <laughs> did I just say every possible letter and number in that sentence? I believe I did. Visit earnest.com slash licenses for a full list of licensed states. Hi, I'm Tass Mellis from No Dunks on the Athletic. As the great philosopher Brian of the Backstreet Boys once said, Everybody, yeah, hydrate your body, yeah, everybody, hydrate your body, right? Hydration's back, all right. We all know we have to stay hydrated. I've used an app, a big water bottle, post-it notes, and proper hydration is extremely important right now. It can really help your immune system. Believe it or not, dehydration occurs daily in three out of four people. With Liquid IV, you have the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. Each serving helps you get as much hydration as two to three bottles of water. I like using Liquid IV when I hit that afternoon lull. Instead of grabbing a coffee, I grab one stick of the lemon lime, put it in my water, and I get the energy boost I need without dehydrating my body and getting dry mouth. It's win-win, because it contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. Oh, my mate Lily would love it. It's healthier than sugary sports drinks, with no artificial flavors or preservatives, and less sugar than an apple. Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco and Target. Or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code ATHLETIC at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com. Promo code ATHLETIC. Let's get to Tweet of the Night. Mmm, Tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. 
Well, the Toronto Raptors have been eliminated from the playoffs, but they're still giving us great content. Tweet of the night today comes from Zach Pierce at The Athletic, ZP Athletic on Twitter, who tweets a picture of Ner- Nick Nurse in his deep squat along with the caption, if you didn't know he was a basketball coach, what would you assume this person is doing? I said he looks like the lead singer from Drowning Pool. Let the bodies hit the floor. <laughs> Lee, of course, said it looks like David Brent getting ready to do uh, his classic yep. dancing, also known as the Lee Ellis dance moves. He's got two. He's got the David Brent and the moonwalk after that. Mm-hmm. Who knows? I think he also looks like maybe uh, a guy who just started an at-home yoga practice. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I think umpire was... saw a lot of umpiring yeah, out there. It looks like a baseball umpire for sure. Yeah, uh, he's safe. He's in there. I yeah. saw our friend Norm uh, Sousa. I think he said, "I live in a Van Vliet down by the river, <laughs> looking a lot like Chris Farley there." Yeah, Perfect. See that as well. Yeah. So let's hear from your suggestions. That's a good one. Good pick there. Deep squat. Is that guy's got? Is that a yoga pose there, Trey? What he's actually doing or? I mean, he's doing a squat. There's no yeah. doubt about it. I would like to see a little head over heart, heart over pelvis, but, you know, I'm sure he's just getting started. Got to <laughs> sure, open up the sure. hips. All right. So, like I said, no games on tonight, Tass. So we got the night off, but we're going to hit the beach tomorrow. We're bumping beach stepping up a day because why not? There'll be no games to talk about tomorrow. So let's answer your questions. Email them in, nodunksattheathletic.com, or tweet them in. At No Dunks Inc. We'll go live at 10 a.m. Eastern here on YouTube. So make sure you subscribe to No Dunks on YouTube. Hit that notification button so you'll know when to step on the beach with us. And then we've got the Heat Celtics tipping off the Eastern Conference Finals at 6.30 a.m., also known as p.m. <laughs> uh, and then we got Game 7, baby. What a night Tuesday's going to be. What a day with beach stepping tasks. Is there anything to add to that? I mean, I, I don't know if there is. It's going to be a great Tuesday. <laughs> I can add, add that. Uh, there's nothing more to say, I, I don't think. No, no. But what are you going to do on your Monday? Oh, great question. Got a little Monday here. It's Monday, isn't it? Mm, what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to get ready for beach stepping. Got to pick some cues, pick some yeah, A's. Uh, <laughs> what, what, when's it EM? Uh, and, e- and during the evening minutes, yeah. I'm going <laughs> yeah, to uh, do some <laughs> other stuff. minutes. I, I like that. That's more. about it. What are you up to? You like you said you said you uh, you love these non game days because you can get stuff done. Well, yeah, I can, get I can convince myself I'm going to get stuff done, yeah. and then, then we hit those EM minutes, and suddenly I haven't done anything. You know, ah, you know, let's uh, we're going to take the training of the puppy to the next level today. Let's get a little lie down, Thanks see if we can get level. back in the mix. Yeah, she's uh, really mastered sitting. Sitting, we've, we're knocking out of the park. <laughs> No problem. But now we got to go lie down. We got to get a classic rollover. So, you know, one step at a time. Put some hours in, man. Mm. Yeah, should be fun. Liga, uh, Trey, excuse me, Trey, you going to rip some lips today or no? Uh, yeah, probably. You know, I did yesterday. Whenever there's spare time, I like to get out there and get some uh, tight lines. All right. And, Lee, what are you doing today? Let's I'm hitting the driving thing. range. Hitting the driving range. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Where, where are you fun. going? Where are you uh, going? Just around the corner. There's one just up the road from me. Uh, driving oh. range. Great one. Yeah. By the street ribs place. <laughs> Ten bucks, a bucket of balls. Take the boys. We built some balls. It's great fun. Although escaped. So, yeah, some of the other uh, some of the other uh, guys who were there on the driving range. You know, golf. It's one of those sports where everyone's got to be quiet. It's not stupid. Yeah, I know. It's dumb as anything. When you take an eight year old and a four year old, and they're just screaming at each other, laughing at each other. It's like you can just see a few people get a little upset. But I'm oh, like, yeah, you're gonna you're range. gonna ruin some people's Monday, and I am for it. <laughs> Hell yeah! At the driving range, the rules don't apply, man. We're just having some fun. Yeah, you're not out on the course. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay, great, guys. Thanks so much for joining us today, Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And uh, I love this comment from a uh, YouTuber here, Jarrett Osawi. He wrote, what is kombucha? Good question, Jarrett. Good question. Nobody knows. Embrace the day, people. <laughs>